This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m. or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. One of the things we were talking about when I was talking with Pastor Ron, we're going to finish up this uh, series on higher ground. And he's been talking about having, you know, going to a place and, 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 and having higher ground, right? And, and thinking higher thoughts and things like that. And he and I were talking this week and, um, and I said, you know what, Pastor Ron, what you're really talking about is not, is less a place. What you're really talking about is the kingdom of God. And he's, well, he's like, well, yeah, brother, that's what I'm talking about, right? So I'm like, I'm like yeah, yeah. So we're talking about that a little bit. And so, when you, so one of the things I want to t- talk about, and this is something I've been looking at for a little while, um, and so it fits in with what we're doing, is, is, and this is really important, is that higher ground, oftentimes we, we tend to think, and we see the visual, and it's good to think of the visual, we think that higher ground represents a place. And it does not, it does not, that's not what we're talking about. Higher ground is not a place, it is an identity. It is, it, it is not where you are, it is who you are. And, 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 and the idea here is that, is that when, I have, when I have higher ground, I have the kingdom of God in my life. And so therefore, that higher ground, that attitude of, of being here goes with me wherever I go. And this is not about are you a pastor or are you a congregant. This is not about are you in full-time ministry or not. This is literally about you should have higher ground in your accounting firm. Right? You should have higher ground in your math class if you're a student. And I know that's really hard, I know. <laughs> Listen, if you guys ever wonder if there's still prayer in school, yes. Just think math class, there's absolutely prayer in school. The kids are like, oh God, please help me remember. I don't know what foil means, right? Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and some of you guys are like, foil, that's right, I remember that. And, um, uh, and, and so this should, be, this should be about whether you're driving the tru- your truck, this should be about whether you're operating a forklift, or you're a welder, or you're a roofer, or you're, I guess you're your accountant, or you're just a guy like me that's a salesman, okay? Um, whatever you do, you should take the kingdom of God should be with you. Now, so we're going to talk about that today, and, uh, and we're going to have some fun doing it because we're going to do a little bit of an, illustri- a little bit of an illustration. Um, which is why I have everything over here. So what I'm going to do is, is we're, we're, going to, we're going to talk a little bit about some things that, uh, um, that I've learned while doing martial arts. And so really not really martial arts. We'll talk about that in a second. But, um, but a, a, a couple of years ago, so, you know, I, I want to stay in shape. I want to work out and stuff like that. But, man, just like the, the idea of going back to the gym again and just going to kind of, you know, I'm doing the circuit at, you know, it's just like, ah, it's kind of boring, right? And I had seen this thing years ago um, on, uh, on, on whatever cable channel, and, and they were doing this thing about Krav Maga. Now, if you've never heard of this, Krav, K-R-A-V, Maga, M-A-G-A, which is, which is an Israeli martial arts, right? So it's, it's, a, it's a long, the, the story behind it is that there was this guy, Amy Lickenfield, he was a Western boxer in the 1930s, and he was living in Europe, and so he got caught up uh, uh, World War II. He, he, he saw the, the brown shirts, he saw the, the, the Jewish people get put into the, into the ghetto, he saw people getting attacked, and he, he, he lived through um, the concentration camps and finds himself in Israel, the newly formed Israel in 1948, and he said, listen, I never want to see what I saw before, which is, which is people, normal people, 
walking down the street getting attacked just because of who they were. And so what he did was he actually traveled around the world and looked at different martial arts forms and said, wow, like he went to Thailand and he saw Muay Thai and he was like, wow, these guys are like elbowing each other in the head. That looks totally awful. Um, we'll do that. Right, and, and then he went to Japan, and he saw, and he saw, and he saw jujitsu and and judo, and he's like, wow, these guys are throwing each other on the ground. And if you've ever seen like uh, MMA, they do a lot of jujitsu, all that ground stuff, right? And they're like breaking each other's arms. That looks totally awful. We'll do that. And then, and then, so the, he went around, and so it's really kind of a combination. So it's a mixed martial art, and he brought it back and said, we need to be able to break it down and teach regular people. So I'm not a martial arts expert. I'm just an old dude with, uh, with uh, a couple of moves and a lot of pent-up frustration, right? And so that's just, like, that's just me, right? I'm not like, don't think anything of that, right? And so we need to be able to teach people something simple so that they can defend themselves uh, on, in a street environment, right? So anyway, so I thought, wow, that's really cool. That's kind of up my alley. And, um, and so what place opened up here in Southington, I said, I'm going to go. So for the last couple of years, I've been going a couple, three times a week. And so if you ever see me with like marks on my face, it's it's usually because I'm still learning. Um, so, I mean, I got, I got hit with something. And, uh, um, and so, uh, so, so that, that's what that is, right? And, uh, and so I learned a number of things, and I started to say, well, what are the basic principles, right? And so I'm going to give you what those principles are, and we're going to talk about how the principles of Krav Maga, in this case, which is the only martial art I know, Krav Maga or martial arts apply to the gospel. Cool? Yeah. All right. And I've got this whole thing up here because we're going to throw some people around. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, no, we actually are. Okay, all right. So, um, first one, I'll tell you what the five things are, and then we'll go through them. Okay, cool? All right. Um, so, the first one is that distance is not always your friend. That's the first thing I learned. Distance is not always your friend. The second thing is, people say martial arts. It's actually less art, more martial. Okay, we'll tell you what that means in a, in a little bit. Less art, more martial. Number three, and this is specific to Krav Maga, was prepare for multiple attackers. So if you guys have ever watched the UFC or if you've ever watched boxing, there's two guys, there's a ref, there's rules, there's all that stuff. There's not anybody jumping out of the audience and you know, going, you're hitting my friend and starting to kick you in the head, right? None of that stuff. But on the street, there might be, right? And so you need to be prepared for multiple attackers. Uh, and number four is deal with the immediate threat. And we'll talk about what that means, the real and immediate threat and not anything else. And number five was there's no such thing as defense, which, of course, fits me and my personality very well, right? So there's no such thing as really, there's no such thing as defense. Defense, if you're on defense, you're losing. Um, you need to be on offense. And so those things actually apply. Those five things actually apply to the kingdom of God. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Cool? All right, great. Um, so the first thing is, is we need to understand and set, kind of set the stage. When we're talking about the higher ground and having an identity, the one thing we want to make sure we understand is, is how do we become higher ground? How do we have that as, as our identity? And then I want to talk about what God views, what we're supposed to be doing with kingdom living. So those, those things there. So how do we have that? And what, do, and what does kingdom living look like? So let's look at this. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And this is Paul writing, and he says this. He says, I beseech thee, I beseech you, I beg you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may be able to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. 
And we're going to talk about both of these, but I want to focus right now on, on verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. If you want to know, if you want to know the key to accessing higher ground living, everything that Pastor Ron's been talking about for the last several weeks, if you want to know the one key that we need to understand to be able to access higher ground living, it's this verse right here. It says that we need to present ourselves as a living sacrifice. Now, the, the key principle to the idea of a living sacrifice is to understand what a regular sacrifice would be. If there was a regular sacrifice, there'd be the priest and there'd be the altar and I would be the guy and I'd come with my family and like it's Passover or something like that and would bring a lamb and would bring the lamb up here and it'd be my lamb and would bring the lamb up here and I'd put my hand on the lamb's head while they killed it and then, they, and then my hand would come off of it, and they would take the lamb, and they would drain the blood, and they would take pieces of it and burn it up there, and other pieces of it would go to feed the priests. And that was my sacrifice. But the key principle here is that as soon as I had my hand on the lamb, and that was me transferring, representing that I'm transferring the sin of my family onto the sacrificial lamb, when they killed the lamb and the lamb fell away from my hand, I, I no longer could touch that lamb. I had sacrificed it, and it was not mine. Here's my question for us. Have we put ourselves on the altar of God? Our lives, our dreams, our goals, our aspirations, our things that we think are our strengths, and have we put them on the altar? Have we brought them to God and said, whatever you want to do with my life, God, I'm cool with because I'm taking my hands off of my life. And I'm offering my life as a sacrifice to you. You see, the problem is, is we shouldn't, by the way, we shouldn't, and we can't offer ourselves as a dead sacrifice. God doesn't want that. God wants us as a living sacrifice. And there's a reason why, because God wants us to take the higher ground and go into a dark world. And how is that going to happen? He wants, he wants us, he wants you and I to be a living sacrifice. That means, that means my, my, my bachelor's degree needs to be a living sacrifice. That means my dreams and visions for the number of kids I'm going to have. That means whether I ever get married in the first place. That means whether I have a vacation home or even a vacation. That means that whatever I do, where I live, what I do with my life, what I think that I'm good at needs to go on the altar and my hands need to come off of it because I'm saying implicitly there, I trust you. No matter what you tell me I'm going to do with my life, it's okay. A really good book to read, by the way, would be the, the book Intercessor by Reese Howells. It's an autobiography of his life. And, uh, and he did that in the early 1900s. I won't spoil the, 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 the book for you, but you should read that. Because the, the core principle that, that, that Reese Howells had in the early 1900s was it, was it God's, the, he said, the Holy Spirit said to me, Reese, are you a dead man? Were you truly dead in your sins? And if you're truly dead in your sins and you've truly been risen from the dead, then who are you? Are you still the old Reese house? Because if you're the old Reese house, you have control over your life. But if you're the new Reese house, the one that I've created, then dead men have no rights. And he struggled with that for months, and he was honest about the struggle that he had with that. But finally, he came to a place where he said, I'm, if, I'm, if I'm going to be God's, I'm going to be completely God's. And so here's my question. Here's my thing. If we have not taken our best, not our worst, not our problems, not our struggles, not our pain, but if we have not taken all of that and taken our best and put it on the altar, then I have, are we really living for Christ? 
Because in reality, what we're saying, if we've not taken our pain and put it on the altar, then we're saying, God, I don't trust you with that pain. If we're not taking our best aspirations and our best strengths and put it on the altar, then we're saying, God, I think I, I know better what to do with my life than you. And does that mean that we're trusting him? So we're not really living for him, are we? We might say we are, but to some extent, we're not. And, and that's okay if, if there's pieces. Listen, I, I get it. I'm, I'm still working on it myself. So that's the first thing is that we need to, if, we're not, if we haven't put our best on there, then we're not, then we're not, might not be living for Christ. Now, the other thing is, is if we're not then emptying ourselves, because to the extent that I empty myself of my own rights towards my own life, to the extent that I take the old Joe and, and every time I see the old Joe, kill him, to the extent that I do that, I make room in my life for the Holy Spirit to come and make that area of my life alive. To the extent that I give up my rights as a parent, I allow the Holy Spirit to make me a Holy Spirit-inspired parent. To the extent that I do that in my job, or I do that in my neighborhood, or I do that as a son, or as a brother, or as, you know, those kinds of things, I give the Holy Spirit the ability to then make that area alive. Because God doesn't say he wants a dead sacrifice, he wants a living sacrifice. And the way that he gets a living sacrifice, listen to this, the way that he gets a living sacrifice is here in Romans 8, where he says this, you are not in the flesh, this is Romans 8 verse 9, he says, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. But if Christ is in you, and ladies and gentlemen, if you're here, friends, if you're here, and you, have, and you have surrendered your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, then the Spirit of God lives in you. And he says, and if the Spirit of Christ is in you, then your body might be dead because of sin, but your spirit is life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, just stop and think about that for just a second. The Spirit that came down from heaven through that rock, into, through Jesus' body, took Jesus back into his body with such power and force that it would have blown the door off of the grave and raised Jesus from the dead. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you and in me. Now, we might look at ourselves in the mirror and go, I don't, know about that. I don't know about that. And so you know what I do when I don't feel like that? I do a really cool thing. I put myself in a really bad box. I go, well, Joe, you can either, you can either believe it or you can call God a liar. And, uh, and I don't like getting struck by lightning. So, um, <laughs> so, so even though I don't feel like it, I might not feel like it, God, I'm going to trust that you're, that you're telling me the truth. And it might feel unbelievable to me but it doesn't matter what it feels like because facts don't really care about our feelings, do they? So he says here, the spirit that raised him from the dead dwells in you. And he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal body through his spirit who dwells in you. That means, that means, friends, that means that, that although I'm standing here in the flesh, although you're sitting there in the flesh, that the the, 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 the spirit that animated your body before Christ, the thing that, that made you walk around alive before Jesus Christ, was a spirit that you inherited from your parents. But when you come to Christ, the thing that makes you alive, the thing that animates you from your eyeballs out, is actually the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. 
That is, that means that your identity is higher ground. That higher ground does not become a place, it becomes a who. And so here's the thing. God says he wants a living sacrifice because a dead sacrifice was consumed by other living people. God wants a living sacrifice because he doesn't want me to stay on the altar. Oh, God, just take me. He doesn't want that. He wants to be like, okay, all right, I've got it. We've, we're, we're here now. Now, now, guys, now let's get off the altar and push into the culture. Huh. Let's get off the altar and go, all right, that was cool. Um, I'm animated by the living God right now. What do I do with my life? He goes, go. Go, go. Go, go back, go back, go back and, 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 and be, your, the, the, be your, the truck driver or the mechanic or the accountant or the sales guy or the teacher or the student. Go back there, but go back there with the spirit of God living in you in, go back as higher ground into the valley and show other people what it's really like. Yeah, I would actually say this, that if we're not stepping off the altar and pushing into the culture with the gospel according to you, there should be a gospel according to Joe. There should be a gospel according to Aaron. There should be a gospel according to Atiba. There should be a gospel according to me. That when people see me, they say, they say, I, I, I don't know what it is, but something's different about you. And, and it shouldn't be your blue hair, okay? <laughs> or the piercing in your nose. Right. It should be, there should be, there should be, there's something different about you. And whatever that is, I want it because people see that and they see hope, right? And so what it should be is we should be pushing into the culture. And, 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 and so here, here's, here's how God views higher ground. That, that's what God says is higher ground. That's what, who we are. And here's how he views higher ground. And I want you to understand, here's what he sees about higher ground. And what we need to understand is from a prophet named Ezekiel. In Ezekiel chapter 37, he says, The hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out, of the, out in the spirit of the Lord, and he set me down in the midst of the valley. Higher ground or no? He set me in the midst of a valley. Lower ground. He brought me out and set me in the midst of a valley. And he caused me to, and, and it was full of bones. And he said, he set me in the midst of a valley, not a little small place in a valley, as far as I could see, and the entire valley was full of bones, skeletons, human skeletons. This is the vision that he has. And he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed, they were very dry. Now, friends... If that, is not, if that is not a picture of our culture today, I don't know what is. Thank you, I will. <laughs> if that is not a picture of our culture today. You know, I've watched over the last 30 years or so of being a Christian, I've watched our culture come unmoored like we are a ship, like, like Western culture is a ship, and we unmoor ourselves from truth. And we have drifted, and we have drifted, and we have drifted. And guys, I'm telling you, I'm in youth ministry today, and I'm working with kids who are over the horizon. They don't even know the truth exists. We are not. We have gone from modernism in my lifetime. We have gone from modernism to postmodernism, 
to today, we are entering, and I would venture to say that we are actually in a post-truth culture. How can you say that we are not in a post-truth culture when you have the governor of a state sitting down and talking very calmly about, well, if a woman is going to have an abortion and the abortion fails and the baby is born alive, then, 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 two, then a doctor and the mom should sit there with the, with the scalded, injured baby sitting next to him. Oh, make it comfortable, put a blanket on, and decide, well, should we just kill that child? Because you meant to kill the child before it was born, but now it's alive and breathing. Do we kill it or not? And they actually had this conversation. And he's actually sitting, and he's actually sitting in a TV interview talking about it. And our state is considering going, hey, that's a really good idea. Why don't we right now pass legislation to allow that kind of stuff in our state? And if that's not a post-truth culture where we could take a living child and say, let's decide if we want it or not, and maybe we'll just kill the kid. If that's not a post-truth culture, I don't know what is. And we are a valley of dry bones. And I don't care if we're the most prosperous nation on the earth. We're a valley of dry bones. But you know what? That valley of dry bones is people that don't have any hope. And they're flailing. Can you imagine being over the horizon and not even knowing the truth or hope exists? That's where most people are. I'm not angry. I'm not, I'm not angry about it, but I'm not angry at anyone. I'm not angry at that governor. I look at the governor, I'm like, man, how did you get to be this person and, and, and become so unhooked from truth in your life? What does he look at when he looks in the mirror at night? How does he have any hope? How far from God is he? Man, that's sad, isn't it? So, so here's the thing. Listen to, what, listen to what he says to Ezekiel. He says, son of man, can these bones live? And of course, Ezekiel's standing there in a valley of dry bones. And, and he answers very, very spiritually. And he goes, oh, Lord God, you know, which is like, <laughs> I have no idea, but God's talking to me. So I should, you know God, right? Okay. So he goes, you know God. And listen to what God says. God does not do a miracle here. He does not go, watch this. <laughs> you know, fire from heaven or anything like that. He goes, Ezekiel, you speak to them. You speak to them. He says, Ezekiel, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones. Surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. I will put sinews on on you and bring flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you. And you shall live and you shall know that I am God. So I prophesied. He was obedient standing in the valley of dry bones, he says, and I commanded, and I pro- as I was commanded, and I prophesied, and there was a noise, and suddenly a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, and I looked, and the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. It looked like they were alive, but not really alive. Think about that one for a second as you look around the church. And also he said to me, prophesy to the breath, Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord, come from the four winds and breathe, and breathe on these slain that they may live. And so I did. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. God says, I want us to go to a place where there seems to be absolutely zero hope, to a cemetery of a culture, 
and to stand there as the only life in there and speak to the truth to the culture and raise, the, raise people up, people who have no hope until there's a great and mighty army that stands there for God. We're going to see something at the end of this. There's a song that was inspired by this that we sing about. We might not even know that it comes from this, comes from this, um, from this verse. But that's who we're supposed to be. That's the purpose of higher ground. That's the reason why there's an altar for us to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. It is for us, but it is for a greater purpose. You and I are, are here for a greater purpose than just ourselves. But it is for us so that we represent the gospel according to me. We represent, when I say that, I mean the gospel that, that is the good news in my life that is reflected out so that people can see and live and come back to the truth and come back to hope. Cool? All right, so that's the purpose of higher ground. That's the identity of higher ground. That's what we're supposed to do. So now what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the, the, the Krav Maga gospel. <laughs> we're going to talk about Krav Maga, and I'm going to talk about five things that I said I learned uh, from Krav Maga and how they relate to this. So if you're down with this, you're like, yeah, let's go do this. Okay, what we want to do is give you five things to remember as we do this to make it easy for us. Cool? All right, so what I need is I, is I need a volunteer, um, and I, I've actually asked, no, I see people shaking their heads, no, that's not what I mean. Um, so I've actually asked uh, my son-in-law, Aaron, to come up and help me with this. And so Aaron, um, uh, Aaron's actually the martial arts expert. Um, Aaron, you've got a, he's like, yeah, yeah, one of us. You told me you were a martial artist. So, um, so uh, Aaron's, uh, you've got a, a, what, a black belt in tongue sido. Um, about 15 years experience. Yeah, he's a dangerous guy. All right, I said, like, I'm just an old guy with a couple of moves and some frustration. He actually knows what he's doing. All right, so, um, so we've got a couple of uh, things to, to, to... we got a knife, and, and it's not a real gun, guys. It's, it's just a rubber, yellow, fun gun. And we got this stick. All right, so we're going to start with the stick, right? Okay, so let's do this. Um, so the first thing is, the first one is, is that distance is not always your friend. Now, this is one of the hardest things that I had to learn in... Um, in, uh, in, in Krav Maga, because if, if I were to go, I'm just going to do this, if I were to go, Aaron, your natural reaction, if I were to go like this and hit you, this is the natural reaction, right? It's called the startle flinch, and if something bad happens, sometimes like my old, my second daughter, if she sees a butterfly, um, right? She's, long story, ask Michelle, you're afraid of butterflies? She'll go like this, oh my goodness, right? Um, but if you're afraid of something, you kind of do this, right? The startle flinch is really bad, right? Um, and, and, and here's the thing, we would think, like, let's say that this is a pipe. It's not, it's a, uh, um, it's a PVC pipe covered in, uh, covered in um, uh, foam, because uh, if you use a real pipe, you tend to go through training partners really quick. And um, <laughs> it's true. And uh, so, so let's say this is a real pipe, right? If Aaron doesn't know anything, what, what is his, na his natural reaction is a startle flinch thing? What is happening here? Yeah, well, <laughs> he's taking a blow on his radius bone and going crack, right? And he's breaking his arm. Bad things are happening. What is the what is the um, what is the most dangerous part of this? You. Me, <laughs> actually, no. That, that is true. We'll deal with that in a second. Uh, I might be. I'm holding it, and that might be the bad part, right? But the most dangerous part of this is actually the end, right? because this is traveling a lot faster than this is, right? And so our natural reaction to danger, our natural reaction to things we don't like, might be to move away. But in moving away, unless you can get away, away, unless instead of kung fu, you know run fu, right? Unless you can, <laughs> unless you can actually get away, 
and, and get space, and get space, standing in the middle ground close to it, you're going to get clocked on the head and bad things are going to happen, right? So what we learn, the first thing we learn is that distance feels bad. Distance isn't your friend. So you should close on danger. Let's step out here. So, so it kind of looks like this. I'm actually going to do this. Uh, we're going to do relatively full speed. Remember, I'm old. Um, relatively full speed. So if I were to come at Aaron, see, he's already, he's, he's making me nervous. All right, he's already, he's already said. So if I were to come and, and try to hit him with this, watch, I just want to show you, watch what he does, and we'll break it down in a second. So if I was coming, I was going to hit him like this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I got it. All right. All right, now I need another volunteer. All right, so, so, so let's talk about what Aaron did, okay? So as I came in, we'll break it down slowly. This is what we do in class. I break it down slowly. I come like this, and what's the first thing he did? He came close. He came close. And notice this arm is up because even if I came down, it's just going to go like this, right? It's going to redirect it, right? I came like this. Now, it's not enough to just block it. We'll get that in a second. It wasn't enough to just block it because hmm, I could hit him again, right? He had to do something. He came close like this. And because he's nice, he just put his hand here. And really, he goes like this. <laughs> and it would hurt, right? And then he just, he just used, as he stopped me, he used my momentum. And he took me. And he, don't please, and, uh, and, and he threw me down, right? Cool? Cool. So, so, so actually coming in feels weird, feels wrong. Coming in was actually the safer place. Let's talk about that. So we got Chief Aaron. He's going to stay up here and uh, bad, more bad things are going to happen. Um, <laughs> first, <laughs> Aaron's like, yeah. Uh, so first thing is distance is not always your friend. So listen to this. Matthew chapter 5. He says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket. But, it, but they put it on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. So let your light shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You know, the principle here is distance from the culture. We see bad things in the culture. We see repulsive things in the culture. And our first response is to kind of do this. Our first response should not be to do that. Our first response should be close distance with this world because we have, are the light of the world. We're supposed to go find dark places and go after it because darkness cannot overcome the light. Light overcomes the darkness, right? More, greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. So we close distance on this world. We close distance because there is a valley of dry bones. There are people without hope. There are people without even truth that need to see the light of Jesus. They need to see the light of Jesus in us. Cool? So number one is close distance, right? Um, distance is not always your friend. Number two, less art, more martial. All right. What I mean by that is people will say, oh, you do Krav Maga. At first they're like, Krav Maga, Krav Mega? Are you like a Trump supporter? What does that mean? I'm like, no, Krav Maga. Krav Maga, it's actually M-A-G-A, it's the same thing. But, but Krav Maga is actually two words, two Hebrew words, and it means contact, combat. That's what it means, Con contact, combat. Um, uh, the joke in the martial arts world is that it means kick the groin. Um, and we'll see that in a second. Uh, but, the, but the thing is, is people go, oh, so you take martial arts? And I usually go, people that do Krav Maga go, it's not really martial arts because it's not so artful. It's more martial. It's really more like doing the thing that is effective and that will get you home. 
right? So, um, so because we kind of came over. So, so let's say that, yeah, we'll go over there. <laughs> Last night he almost went that way. So, um, so, so let's, say, let's, say that I, let's say that I see, and there's, there's, he's a problem, and I've already backed up, right? And I backed him up. By the way, the best thing about Krav Maga is guess what the fighting stance looks like? Hey, man, I don't want any problems. It's really good for the videos, right? Oh, he had his hands up. I don't know. He couldn't have been the aggressor. So, um, so, so let's say he's like this. And I'm like, I'm like, this is a problem. I need to take care of it. It's in, in Krav Maga. It's going to look something like this. <clears throat> so, was that very artful? Would it have been effective? Yeah, pretty much. So what I did was I just, I just launched a groin strike and then followed it up by, trying, by putting my hands on his back and trying to connect my knee to my hands and having his body get in the way. Um, it hurts a lot, <laughs> which is why we do that. Um, so let me, let, me, let me show you this one thing real quick. The reason why we do that is, and now Aaron even knows what I'm doing, but any human being on the face of the earth faced with this is going to do that, right? It's a... It's a, it's a it's a universal reaction, right? So even if I missed, he's still going to go like this. And what it does is it takes all of your power out and it gives you a little second for me to then go, oh, the groin kick mix, I must and hit him and then we'll do other bad things to him, right? Um, bite, gouge, we do, uh, yeah, okay. So um, does that make sense? Okay, cool. So, um, so here's what we need to understand. What I mean by less art, more martial is we need to focus on the thing. It's great. There's 157,000 moves in, in, in Krav Maga. Probably not that many. Um, there's 152,000 moves in Krav Maga, right? And there's all kinds of things you can do. Um, Aaron's been doing uh, martial arts for 15 years and different styles, and it's really great to go to a place and learn all these different things and cool things. But the reality is, is that under pressure, you will lose the ability to do all kinds of fine motor skill stuff. I'll give you an example. How many times have you taken your key and put it into your front door and opened the door? Thousand? Hundred thousand times? Okay, let me give you another example, especially for the guys. You're driving home, you've had a couple of cups of coffee, and you're like, I can make it, I can make it, I can make it. You pull into the driveway and you just have to go to the bathroom. You know, the kind of ones that makes you do this? Right? Got to get inside. Let's get inside. You guys know that, right? And now you take the key. You all know what I'm talking about, right? You take the key and you go like this. Oh my goodness. <laughs> right? And we lose our fine muscle control, right? And so all these kind of crazy things, right? We'll, we'll forget all of that. But if I can teach you to kick somebody in the groin, huh, I can remember that, right? And so keep it simple. So what happens a lot of times, what happens a lot of times here is, listen to this, he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he says, this is Paul, a very learned man. He says, and brethren, when I came to you, I did not come to you with the excellence of speech or wisdom, declaring to you the testimonies of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Christ and him crucified. Hey, see, listen, if you know me, you know I would love to talk politics or, or science or eschatology or, or Calvinism versus Arminianism or Greek translations. I love, fantastic, right? I love to do that all day long. But the reality is, is you don't have to be an expert at Christianity to, to be a person of higher ground walking into the Valley of Dry Bones. You only need to know a couple of things. That's what I mean. I want to encourage you. Look, if you want to be an expert, if you want to go to Bible college, you want to do all this stuff, great, good, fantastic. Fantastic, good for you. But you don't need that in order to start. 
Just like, just like you don't need, literally, the groin kick was the first thing. Can you be surprised that the groin kick was the first thing we learned in Krav Maga? Yeah, no. Um, it was, was one of the first things we learned because you might not know 100,000 things. You might not know how to move your feet and kick the person down, do all this kind of stuff like this. But if you know how to kick a person in the groin, you can at least like then run away, right? And, and we'll start with that, and it keeps you safe and gets you home. Does that make sense? Same way here, listen to this. He says, we need to keep the main thing, the main thing. Revelation chapter 12, verse 10 says this. I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. And the accuser of our brethren, that's Satan himself, the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. How has Satan himself been defeated? Listen to this. They overcame him. Christians overcame the power of Satan. How? By, by knowing eschatology? No. By the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. By the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. A couple of simple moves. Let me ask you guys something. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're sitting here today, do you know who Jesus is? Okay, you know that he rose from the dead. Do you know what he did in your life? You have all the tools you need. You want to go get other things? You want to go learn about cults? You want to learn about this? You want to learn about 16 different translations of the Bible? Fantastic, great, do it. But do not let that stop you. You don't have to be an expert before you do your first thing. Make sense? Cool? So number one is, um, oh, hang on a second, I messed up my notes. Number one uh, is, uh, oh, sorry. Oh, there we go. So distance is not always your friend. Number two, less art, more martial. Number three is to prepare for multiple attackers. So when we talk about multiple attackers, and I uh, can, can I have you? When we talk about multiple attackers, this is what we mean. If we have, um, and I've asked uh, Caleb to come up because uh, he likes me, and if I kick him into something, um, he won't be mad. So, uh, so, so you're going to stand over here like this. Um, so. I'd hold it like, like this. I'd kind of do this thing right up against your chest because that's going to hurt if you don't. Okay. Um, all right. So, uh, so, so one, of the things is, one of the things that happens in the street, like, like in, a, in, a, in a ring, you only have one person, one opponent, right? But what's the problem if, if Aaron, and Aaron's not a punk, but if Aaron was being a punk to me, what's the problem with punks? They usually come in packs, right? There's, usually, there's one punk, there's two punks, right? And, and that's a problem, right? Because if I get all tied up with Aaron and I'm in here like this, what can happen here? He can, yeah, he can come and just, he doesn't even have to be skilled. He can just come and go crack and punch me, right? If I, one of the things we do in Krav Maga is we train to go to the ground but not stay on the ground. The reason is, is because if we're rolling around on the ground. I'm trying to get this kind of technical thing. You know, some punk can come and just kick me in the head and rifle through my pockets for loose change, right? So all kinds of bad things can happen. So we're like, listen, you have to be able to understand that when you're in the world, if you have a problem, you might have multiple problems. You can't just get stuck in that. So you saw what Aaron did, right? And so let's just say, let's just say that, that Aaron came at me, right? And, and I'm gonna go like this, right? I'm gonna stop Aaron here. So he looks something like this. It looks something like this. He comes at me, I'm gonna go I'm gonna throw him in. Why did I do that? Why did I do, you all right? I thought you were good. I just saw, I saw everybody looking over there. I'm like, did he, did he hit his head on something? Okay, I want you to see this, what happened here. I just, so, 
Every once in a while, I throw people that don't realize it. All right, so, so he comes at me. He comes at me. I come close the distance here, right? This is the same thing, right? Um, and Krav Maga, I did this, and I took his arm, and then I'm going to, what am I doing? I'm going to kick him in the groin. Boom, I'm going to kick him in the groin, right? Boom, but where am I? I'm looking because he's got a friend. Now, in reality, if it was stuff like this, I'd probably just push him into him and run because I'm old. And, but, in, but I'm here. I threw him out of the way, and I'm going to go. That'll usually do the trick. At least it gives me distance where I can go, this is, does he want something more? Should I go up and kick him in the groin? <laughs> or, or can I get away and get back to my family? Is that cool? So you have to be prepared for multiple attackers. Thanks, Caleb. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thanks. I asked Caleb ahead of time. I said, I said, if, just hold the pad close, man. All right. So the reason what we mean is this. And I'm going to give you, oh, I'm starting to sweat. All right. When he says to prepare for multiple attackers, I'm going to do two scriptures on it. He says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. He says, do not be conformed. Remember we talked about this? Present yourselves as a living sacrifice. And he says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may be able to prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. That word conform, the best way we can think about that word conform is, is that the world has a cookie cutter, and it wants to make a mold of you like a worldly person. And when that doesn't work, when you don't fit the mold, it wants to take you, bundle, ball you up, stick you you in, pound you down, and make you fit the mold. The Bible says don't be conformed to this world. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. My brother was in, a, was in the Navy, and, uh, and he was on a submarine. And one of the things when he was on the submarine, uh, he had a couple of jobs. Everybody has two jobs, because uh, if you're down under the water and someone dies, you need to take the job. Um, Everybody has to, it's the truth, yeah. <laughs> like, we're not coming up, we're just, there you have it. And so, um, everybody has two jobs. So one of his jobs, he was a chef, and the other job, he was the helmsman. So he piloted the boat, piloted the boat, cooked the food, piloted the boat, cooked the food, right? Um, but before he was allowed to be in the submarine under the water, he had to get his dolphins. And in order to get your dolphins, he had to know literally every single part of the entire boat. Do you know Why? Because he could be walking anywhere, and, so, and it could leak, and he had to know how to fix it. Because here's the thing. When you take a submarine, you would basically have a hole in the water, right, with people living in it. And when you put that hole in the water under the water, it gets under pressure. And it's pressure from all sides. And the ocean doesn't care how it gets in, just that it gets in. That is the same thing with the world, friends. The world doesn't care how it gets into your life, just that it gets into your life. So what I mean by this is as we go into the valley of dry bones, as we are a light in the darkness, we need to say to ourselves, listen, it's maybe one thing to say, hey, I'm reading through my Bible in a year. That's great, good, great, fantastic. But I can't just be reading through my Bible in a year and not be paying attention to what else I'm seeing on the internet. Right? right. I can't come and listen to worship music on Sunday but not be paying attention to the worship music or the things that are coming to my ears Monday through Friday. I can't just say I'm going to be really good as a parent, but, but when I go to work, I have a different set of rules. That's not true. I have to be the same person throughout. 
Because Satan will try to tempt you in different areas, and he's going to keep poking until he finds a way in. And so the Bible calls us walking circumspectly. And what it means here um, is this. It says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, it says, See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. It means that I am to take my life and put it here and step away from it. Take some time by ourselves. No radio. No, take your cell phone. Turn it off. Whatever. No radio. And say, God, help me look at my life. Help me walk around my life and say, this area of my life, Joe, you're doing really good at this. This is an area we've been working on. You're doing great at. Have you thought about this over here? No, God, I haven't thought about that over there. As a matter of fact, I've been so afraid that you would be mad at me. I never put it on the altar. Well, Joe, do you think we should put it on the altar now? Do you trust me with that? Yeah, okay, I trust you with that. All right, let's do that, right? This is what we need to be doing. We need to be walking around our life and evaluating our life. By the way, you know a great way to do this? If you're not in a life group, you should be in one. We need friends. It really helps if Aaron walks around my life with me and goes, hey, man, uh, God help me in this area of my life. I'm like, I didn't even think of that doing that, right? We do that with our martial arts all the time. Like, how would you do this? How would you do that? We're like, I would do this. And I'm like, that's cool. I didn't even think about that. I'm going to try that, right? We need friends. We need other Christians in our life. Don't go into the valley of dry bones alone. How's that? Cool? That's what it means to walk circumspectly. When we do that, we have our head on a swivel. If you ever see us at a, a person in martial arts that kind of do this, and, they kick, and the, the first thing they do is look around. Why am I looking around? For the punk friend, right? When we have a victory in our life, we have a victory in our life, we should be looking around. We're like, wow, that was cool. Let's look around. Why am I looking around? Because I want to see, is there somewhere else that Satan is going to tempt me? Just keep your head in a swivel and go, okay, God, let's go over this way. That's cool, right? All right. So um, that, that, was, uh, that was number four, I think. Uh, was deal with the, uh, was uh, to prepare for, multi- oh, that was number three, prepare for multiple attackers. The next one is to deal with the immediate threat. To deal with the immediate threat. And, and let me show you what this means. Oh, thanks. Yeah, okay, bring, bring the gun over here. Um, Aaron is such a punk. You're such a punk, aren't you? All right, he's got sticks, he's got knives, he's throwing me around. All right, so let's say he's, 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 he's got this gun, he's where he puts it in my chest. He's got this gun to my chest. Okay, um, what's the problem? Watch this. Watch this. It, it, let's say we're at the, at the range. Is the gun the problem? No. Is Aaron the problem? No, 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 no. The problem is that Aaron has the gun at me. Aaron had this little shooty part here. (laughs) This shooty part is not supposed to be facing me. That's the problem, right? He also has several other problems. He took a distance tool and made it close. There's other problems, and he's holding it like a gangster with one hand and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, so... It always makes it more accurate when you do that. And, uh, and so, so if he actually put a gun to my chest, I would go, wow, the problem. Now, should I do the groin kick here? No, 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 because no, he'll be mad and he'll shoot me. And uh, that would be bad, right? So deal with the actual immediate threat. Does this make sense? So I would put my hands up and go, wow, I'm sorry, young sir. What, would you, what have you come for? And, and he says, my inheritance, nice. And you got like a buck 98, dude. All right, so, um, so let's say he's got this. And I go like this, and I take the gun away from him. Everybody keeps saying that. You keep saying that like it's a trick of some sort. Here. There's a lot less to damage up here. And so, so I put my hands up. I put my hands up, and I take 
what I did was I took the gun. See that? What I did was I went like this. Now, if he's smart and he does it with two hands, I can't do that. So I have to do it a little bit differently. So I have to go like this with two hands and take the gun. And now the problem is that gun probably went off. If he actually did this, if he did this, this is a problem, right? I'm like, whoa, please, now it really hurts. I can't do my special move. <laughs> do I have the gun yet? No. Step one, don't get shot, <laughs> right? Am I getting shot right now? It's going to be really loud and bothersome for a number of days, right? But at least he hasn't shot me, right? So step one, and then I go like this, and then I probably do this and kick him in the groin, and then I worry about this weapon, because as long as I have this, even if I have my eyes closed, you know what I know? Somewhere at the end of this arm, there's a face, right? And so, right? And so I can, so I can do this, and I can actually come under here, and I can drag his arm and tear his, I'm sorry, and I can drag his arm and tear his arm off. This hurts a lot more than it looks. Um, and, uh, and I can flip him down, and I can take this gun away from him later, right? But deal with the immediate threat is the fact that, that this is here, right? Does this make sense? Do not get distracted. Oh, the only thing I know is this. Oh, well, probably I should have to do something else, right? Does this make sense? Cool. All right. So let me talk with you about what this looks like here. Um, in John chapter 1, in 1 John chapter 2, sorry, John chapter 1, a little dyslexic. 1 John chapter 2, he says this, do not love the world or the things of this world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in this world the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. What I can have, what other people might say about me, good or bad. My fear, my pride, my station in life, all the things of this world. The world is passing away. Why are we worried about temporary things when we should be concerned about the important eternal things? Why am I more worried about my, the status of my 401k than I am about the status of my neighbors down the street? Right? Don't get distracted. Don't get distracted. Keep the main thing the main thing. If there's a real threat in front of you, deal with the real threat. Right? Deal with the real threat. If there's a person standing there with a gun, that, the pointy part at me is the real threat. I can deal with the rest later. I have to get the pointy part of me off. Off, the shooty part of me has to go off. The fleshy part of me, get, that's the technical term. Get that off. Now we deal with the rest of it. Make sense? Okay. So don't get distracted by the things of this world. It's so easy to get ourselves on the altar in a moment of time and make a decision, get ourselves off the altar, and then we get distracted by all this other stuff. Who's got the nicest lawn? And where, what kind of sticker do I get to put on the back of my car for where my kids went to school? And yada, 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 and all this kind of stuff like this. Let's keep the main thing the main thing. And if you see a threat coming from Satan, deal with that right there. If, if, if you're starting to feel temptation, if there's a problem in your marriage, if there's a problem with your kids, deal with it right then and there. Take that thing down, deal with that threat, in the, in the love of Jesus Christ, deal with what's happening in your life right there and move on. Don't put things off to the side by getting distracted because there's a real threat. All right, so we talked about preparing for multiple attackers. We talked about, um, we talked about dealing with a real threat. The last thing, and this is my favorite thing, it's the reason why I like Krav Maga, is this, is that there is no such thing as defense. So in defense, it would look something like this. And this will be the last thing we do with Aaron. So come on over here, Aaron. So um, if, if Aaron's a real punk and he doesn't have a gun, he doesn't have a weapon, what are the two things, guys, what are the two most, thing, most common things that a guy will do to another guy if he's going to attack him? He's going to bum rush him like this, or he's going to do what? 
is going to do the giant haymaker, right? Swing for the fences, do the giant haymaker. To anybody who's trained, you're like, wow, that's really slow and bad, right? And, and so, so if, 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 I'm, if I'm doing this standard defense, if I don't know anything and he swings, I'm going to go like this, right? And then he's going to go, oh, I didn't hit him. He's going to keep hitting me. And it's going to be called what we call bunches of punches. He's just going to go, whoosh, 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 and I'm going to kind of curl up, and eventually one of them is going to land, and he's going to knock me out and rifle through my pocket for loose change. And so, um, and so instead, if I do defense, defense, my hands would up and it would look like this, right? How many times is he going to do that before he goes, hey, I should do something else, like pull out my knife and stab him or kick him or do something else. How many times do I have to, to do defense? Yeah, maybe two, maybe one, maybe two, usually two times, right? Two times, and someone with a knife, they'll cut, try this, you block it, they're going to try it one more time, and they're going to come out, right? So in Krav Maga, we say, hey, there's no such thing as defense. It kind of looks like this. If you're doing this, it goes like this. I'll show you what that looked like. I went like this. Instead of defending, I actually attacked at the same time. So when he comes, I'm going to go, like, bang, and then what do I think I'm going to do? I'm going to kick him in the groin. You guys are great. I'm going to boom, and I'm going to kick him in the groin. <laughs> and then I'm going to take his head, and I'm going to smash it here. I'm going to throw him away, and I'm going to run away. Something like that, right? So it looks something like, I won't actually do all that, but it's going to look something like, okay, bang, and I'm going to go, bang, <laughs> We actually headbutt. I'm going to go, and something like that. And, uh, and then I'm going to run away, right? It's cool? So what I'm doing is there's actually no such thing as defense because the best defense is? A good offense, right? So, Aaron, thank you very much, man. Um, thank you very much. Aaron is Aaron's awesome and, and, and bruised because we've been working on things for a couple of days. And uh, it's mostly me, but we kind of have a couple of little things. All right, so um, listen to this. And then we'll, we're going to end. We're going to watch a song. We're going to end. It could be a couple of minutes late. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his disciples, he says, who do men say that I am? And so, so they said to him, so, well, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Right? Who is Jesus, right? That's the first one. Right? Blood of the Lamb, word of our testament. Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Listen to what Jesus says. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, Simon, son of Jonah. Blessed are you, Simon for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say to you that you are Peter, Petros, small rock. You are Peter, small rock. And upon this rock, Petra, large rock, meaning not upon you, Peter. I'm not going to build my church upon you. I'm going to build my church upon the revelation that you just gave, that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell, the gates of Hades, will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Listen to what he said. He said, he said upon, this, upon this rock, upon this revelation that, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Last time I checked, when you think about gates to a city, have you ever seen anybody walking down the street, and all of a sudden the gates of a city come running up and attack them? That's not how it works, is it? What he's really talking about is you and I are supposed to storm the gates of hell. That's where we're supposed to be. So when you saw the video at the beginning about Jimmy Santoni and all the stuff they've done in, in Celebrate Recovery, that is them storming the gates of hell. In the, in the area of, 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 of hurts and addictions and people who are affected by addictions and all kinds of stuff like that, storming the gates of hell to rescue people out of it and says that the authority, I'm giving you more authority than the authority of hell. So we can go and we can storm the gates of hell and 
kick down the door and let's make something happen. We need to remember this, that the army that's standing up, the army that's rising up, is you and me who are once skeletons in the valley of dry bones that God called to us, filled us with his spirit, and now says, let's move it. And if we will do the same, we'll have the same type of thing. I don't care what it looks like. It's certainly not going to look like that for everyone. It might look like Jimmy Santoni. It might look like that. It might look like whatever it looks like for you. But if we will take these things, if we will take these things and apply them to our life and be higher ground and walk into the valley of, of dry bones and be a light in the darkness, you will see revival in other people's lives and a revival in your own life that you cannot believe could be possible. Let's pray. So, Lord, I'm asking right now in the name of Jesus that you would light a fire inside of us, that you would take us onto the altar, off of the altar, empowered by your Holy Spirit in every area of our life, that we would remember, Lord God, to the distance is not our friend, to engage with the culture, to push in with hope and truth and love. And with the name of Jesus Christ on our lips and the word of what he has done in our lives, in our hearts, that with just those two things, the blood of the lamb and the word of the testimony, we keep it simple and move where you've placed us and shine your light. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm -hmm.